Hi there, and welcome to Everyday Expression, the media ministry of Pastor Kevin West and Expression Church in Huntington, West Virginia. We're so glad to have you with us today. We recently had a special guest join us in our sanctuary. Dr. Lynn Hiles has been a friend of our ministry for many years now, and we pray that right now the words of his message are just as much a blessing to you as he was to our church family here in Huntington, West Virginia. Let's take a listen. I am so thankful. Listen, I don't know how you realize how blessed you are to have a truly new covenant church in Huntington, West Virginia, because most cases, most churches in America are a mixture of two covenants. We take the parts of the law that fit our culture, and we call that the gospel. But how many know the gospel is a completely, uh, the, the new covenant is a completely different covenant? Are you hearing that this morning? I'm, I'm going to talk about the new covenant this morning, but I want to do that. I want to go first of all from the book of, of Deuteronomy. Sometimes I call it Deuteronomy because it's more, it's more about what you Deuteronomy than you Deuteronomy. But I want to pull a text from there this morning and read to you uh, the, tenth, uh, the 11th chapter of Deuteronomy. I'm going to go to verse 10. I'm going to read to you from, from the Message Bible. We could read it from several different translations, but I like how the message says it. It says, verse number 10, the land you are entering to take up ownership of isn't like Egypt. The land you left where you had to plant your own seed and water it yourself as in a vegetable garden. But the land you are about to cross the river and take for your own is a land of mountains and valleys. It drinks water that rains from the sky. It is a land that God, your God, personally tends He's the gardener. He alone keeps his eye on it all year long. My thought for this morning was simply this, if you wanted to read it actually from uh, a different translation, for the land where thou goest in to possess is not like the land of Egypt where you came out from. Touch your neighbor and tell him where we're headed. Tell him that. Tell your neighbor where we're headed doesn't look like where we came from. Now, I want to I want, say that again. Touch the neighbor on the other side. Say, where we're headed does not look like where we came from. Now, that first of all sounds like it could be shouting material until where we're headed don't look like where we came from. Because a lot of changes are taking place in the body of Christ right now. Now, how many know he's telling them, I'm going to bring you into a land that the Lord your God cares for. It's a place where the eyes of the Lord and where you're headed does not look like where you came from. It doesn't look like Egypt where you had to till the ground, where you had to carry the water from the Nile River, where you had to work and labor and sweat. How many know when you were in Egypt, so to speak, you were a slave? Come on, somebody, help me preach a little bit this morning. Now, what I'm after this morning is something that I felt like the Lord dropped in my spirit not so long ago. And I'm going to quote this verse. If you want to, you can bring it up for the text. But Revelation, the 11th chapter, in verse number 8, says this. It said, and their dead bodies, talking about the two witnesses, shall lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Now, I've, I've taught Revelation for a long time, teaching in Bible college. But I never really noticed, because sometimes, how many know we read over stuff so quickly, we don't necessarily grasp what's being said. But he said, uh, 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 it says that their dead bodies would lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Now, if you think about that scripture for a moment, how many know that our Lord was not crucified in Sodom or Egypt? 
Well, this is a quiet bunch here this morning. Now, how many know that the Holy Spirit is taking his finger and pointing to something that I think we need to see? It calls it spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. Does anybody in the room know where our Lord was crucified? This is not a trick question. He was crucified in Jerusalem, just outside the gates. So how many know the Holy Spirit is taking his finger and he's pointing to Jerusalem, the centerpiece of Old Covenant Judaism, and he's calling that Egypt. Now, when I was growing up, most of the time, I thought Egypt meant whatever I thought the world was. Come on, somebody. And what he's pointing at here is not just a bondage of the world. He's talking about a bondage to an old covenant religious system that had become so polluted even by religious leaders that it didn't even look like the original covenant. Come on, somebody. He was talking about a bondage of religion. I believe sometimes it's easier to get people set free from drugs than it is to get them set free from religion. We may need to open some religion rehab centers where's Steph at hallelujah and we might need to start singing to him you need to say to this mountain grace grace because how many know that Moses gave you the law but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ and I made a post this morning on my Facebook and and I was talking about you know sometimes we don't even think about scriptures when why do you think John the Baptist do you think it was just a harebrained idea that he decided I think I'm just going to baptize people we're just going to start this new formula we're just going to dump some people in the water if, if you were a first century Jewish person standing there what that was was a symbolism that every time they crossed water they were headed for an exodus they were headed out of something but they were also headed towards something. Now stay with me for a moment because I don't want you to get scared on because I believe that there's a lot of people who are turning from religion and who are turning from law that are turning toward some other kind of bondage and all they've done is trade one set of bondage for another set of bondage. But what I'm talking about is they were turning from an old covenant paradigm and they were turning toward a new form of government called the kingdom of God and the new covenant where the Holy Spirit becomes the governor in our lives and not a bunch of rules that we have to follow. Come on somebody and the more I preach like this people are okay with it at first but when you say where you're headed don't look like where you came from the moment it doesn't look like the religious stuff we came from that a lot of stuff we don't even have Bible for see when I was growing up in classical Pentecostal and I appreciate my Pentecostal roots but I'm telling you that there was a lot of stuff that happened in Pentecost that we preached it wasn't even in the Bible I mean, we send people to hell for stuff we wouldn't even send them to jail for. Can I get a little help in the room? Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. And so it was all about rules instead of a relationship. It was about being servants instead of being sons. How many know under the old covenant, you're a slave or a servant? In the new covenant, you're a son and an heir. Hallelujah. Under the old covenant, you live by rules on rocks. In the new covenant, you live out of your relationship. In the old covenant, you were motivated by fear. In the new covenant, you're motivated by faith. In the old covenant, it was about a law you had to keep. In the new covenant, it's about receiving a life that'll keep you. I feel the preacher sneaking up on me. Hallelujah. And what Jesus said is, I came that you might have life 
and that you might have it more abundantly. I wrote a book uh, back a few years ago called Unforced Rhythms of Grace. It's available on Amazon or on my uh, website. I didn't bring any with me this morning. But the text that that was inspired by is, is Matthew 11, where in, in the Message Bible, let me just quote it to you from King James first. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, he's not talking to drug dealers and prostitutes on the street, although he's there to redeem them as well. But the context there is, he says it this way in the message. Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Walk with me. Work with me. You'll recover your life. You will get your life back. He said, I will teach you the unforced rhythm of grace. Hallelujah. In other words, what he's saying is, if you'll come with me and you'll walk with me and you'll work with me. The verse above this says, this is a unique father-son relationship but I'm not going to keep it to myself. I'm going to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen to me. In other words, he wants to bring us out of a mentality of I'm serving and I'm a slave to a bunch of rules into a relationship with Father Abba who is not mad at you. He's mad about you, who wants to walk with you and work with you. Come on. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me from my yoke. is." And I think about a yoke. A lot of times we think about cattle pulling a, a plow. Man, I had the Holy Spirit. I just kind of followed that word a little bit through the scriptures. And Paul said, don't be unequally yoked. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said to me, I think you're my equal. I said, what, Lord? He said, if I didn't think you were my equal, I would have never married you. Come on, somebody. But if you get in relationship with me, everything you need will flow out of this relationship rather than out of a bunch of rules. Because what I want you to see is in Deuteronomy chapter 11 that Egypt was bondage. And it speaks in the new covenant of spiritual bondage to an old covenant that made a bunch of slaves out of us. And I don't have time to unpack all of this. But Galatians chapter 3 and 4 says, the law was added because of a transgression until the seed should come to whom the promise was made. How many know that seed was Christ? So the law was added and God, listen, I don't have time to unpack this, probably should never bit this off, but God did not, God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt on the basis of the Abrahamic covenant and it only required faith that you believe. Their transgression was they failed to believe God and God said, I want to make a whole nation of priests out of you. I think you'd see God excited Pastor Kevin thinking, man, I'm finally going to have a relationship with my people. I'm going to bring them into a land that flows with milk and honey. I'm going to give them the best life on the planet. I'm going to lavish them with my love. They're going to live, as it were, in a garden that I care about. 
Now look, I could say a lot of deep, profound things about milk and honey, but suffice to say, that's the good life on about every level. If I said, I'm going to bring you into a land that flows with milk and honey, I mean, what we're missing here is the gospel is not just about how I get from here to there. It's about how I get what's there to operate here. And when Jesus preached the kingdom, he didn't talk about it like it's some other world stuff. It was this world stuff. It was about stewardship. It was about sowing. It was about caring for people. It was about justice. It was about righteousness. It was about stuff that could change our communities and our families that would ultimately give us a quality of life. And that life would become the light. Now let me come back here quickly because I don't want to chase too many rabbits here this morning. The people came out of Egypt. God said, I'm going to make a whole nation to preach out of it. They came out on the basis of the Abrahamic covenant. And when God comes down on the mountain... And the glory of God settles down on the mountain. The people said with one voice to Moses, we're afraid of him. You go talk to him. And whatever he says to you, we will do it. And if we do it, it will be our righteousness. Wrong answer. And so God said, if you don't want to talk to me. See, God wanted to have personal relationship with all of them. He said, then send Aaron and his sons up the mountain. And I'll create a priesthood, and there'll be a mediator between you and me. But if you read Deuteronomy 5, it tells the backstory. God said, I heard you in your tents when you were forfeiting this covenant that I was offering you through Abraham. And you walked away, and I honored that covenant. But if you don't have a relationship, you got to have rules. And the less relationship you have, the more rules you have to have. And so the law of Moses came until a seed would come. But when Peter comes on the scene, he writes about the restoration of the priesthood of the believer. And he said, you are a chosen generation. You're a priest. Come on, a royal priesthood. God restores us back to where I want to have relationship with you. We'll be right back with more Everyday Expression. We hope that today's ministry has been a blessing to you so far. I speak on behalf of Pastor Kevin West and Expression Church when I say it's an honor and a privilege to get to minister all across the world. The only way that we can reach the world is through people helping financially sowing into the ministry. People just like yourself who have been blessed and are truly feeding from this ministry. So if you feel like that's you today and you'd like to join in and begin to sow so that the message of the kingdom of God can spread into all areas of the nations, I encourage you today, visit expchurch.org Click on the word give, or you can also text give by sending a message to the number 84321 and the text giving amount. We hope again that you have been blessed by this ministry and that you will experience the expression of Jesus Christ in your everyday real life. We're back with more Everyday Expression. Not as this austere old man on a Victorian chair with a white hair with a club in his hand. I want to be to you, Abba. I want to reveal to you my heart. And what my desire was for you all along was to bring you into a land that flows with milk and honey. And I want to bring you up out of Egypt. Listen, if you don't even want to think about Egypt being a picture of religious bondage, God wants to bring you out of whatever bondage you're in, whatever you're a slave to. Hallelujah. And the reason John the Baptist would get just, he didn't just decide to dunk people in water. What he was symbolizing in the minds of a first century Jew is that every time we've crossed water, 
it was symbolizing a new exodus. And Jesus would be the leader. Moses led you out, come on, with a rod. But Joshua, Yeshua, is going to lead you in with a mercy seat. Hallelujah. We're going to shout to a mountain after a while, grace, grace. And the mountain, come on, if you've got faith, what's that in, that, that, that's in contrast to the law was not of faith. But when you've got faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you can speak to the mountain of Sinai and that which has been against you and you've been in bondage to, and you can start shouting some grace to it and it'll start to move out of the way. Hallelujah. And you'll start to develop this incredible relationship with a God who is head over heels in love with you and so anxious to have relationship with you. Come on, that he wrapped himself in human flesh and came down to show you what he really looks like. I wish you'd tell your neighbor he's a good God. Hallelujah. I don't care what other people saying about him. He's still a good God. Am I blessing you this morning? And where you're headed don't look like where you came from. I mean, there are a lot of changes going on. Hallelujah. And especially from my age group up, you know, I've, I've, I've preached here before, so I won't go into some of it. But I, I came up in Pentecost where everything you could imagine was a sin. The general rule was, if it's fun, it's got to be a sin. I mean, we shot our television set. We called it a television set. We, we didn't take physical education because you had to wear shorts to do it. I mean, it was, it was crazy stuff. Hallelujah. I can remember my mother saying one time, she said, you know, uh, she said, uh, uh, she came in from, from church. I always tell people my mother had a PhD. They say, what is that? I said, it's a Pentecostal hairdo. <laughs> it was a top knot or a beehive. Now, I'm not opposing that if God told you to do that. But I remember my mother coming in one day, and she came into church, and she's going to testify. She said, I saw a saint of God today, and she got that little jerk on her. I'm not opposed to the jerk. I still get that once in a while myself. Hallelujah. She said, I saw a saint, mm, hallelujah, of God today at the grocery store. And she said, I knew she was, mm, shunned She had to shun a little bit. She said, I knew she was a saint of God because of the glow on her face. What a testimony her life was. I'm a little kid, and I'm thinking to myself, Mom, that's not a glow. That's a shine from no makeup. Am I in the right place here this morning? I said, you didn't know her because she had a glow on her face. You knew her because she looked like Granny from the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> she was dressed like you, looked like you, had the same hairdo as you, had black hair under pantyhose because it was a sin to shave your legs. Ain't nothing worse than that. Hallelujah. <laughs> Forgive me. That's way too much information here. Hallelujah. It was a sin. Hallelujah. And she said, I knew she was the same. What a testimony her life was. And when I grew up, I began to realize that the world doesn't look at that and say, what a testimony that is, what a testimony that life is. The world looks at that and they say, you mean your God makes you look like that? I'm talking about you will recover your life if you get a hold of what I'm talking about. You mean your God makes, see, the life becomes the light. But it's not this stuff that we thought it was. 
that were just basically, listen, holy does not mean what you have in your closet or what you wore to church this morning. It doesn't even denote behavior. The angels of God are not standing before the throne of God this morning going, he behaves. He's wearing the right outfit. Look at his haircut. No, holy means consecrated and other than. There were snuff dishes and tongs and pans in the tabernacle that were called holy because holy means you're set apart for a certain purpose and a certain, come on, hallelujah, a certain usage. What makes you holy is not what you wore to church this morning. It's because God made you uniquely other than anything else and you have a purpose and the moment you get in your purpose, you become holy. Come on, somebody lift holy hands in here. These are holy hands because there ain't nobody like you on the planet ain't nobody can do what you do hallelujah now I'm not suggesting that we can live any old way we want to what I am telling you is that in the new covenant what governs us was not rules on rocks what governs us is the Holy Spirit so when we turn from religion we need to turn towards something either that's the I wrote on my Facebook recently I'm not interested in leading a rebellion I'm interested in leading a reformation and I believe that's what's happening all over this planet as God is literally giving me and others like me an ear into a lot of major mainstreams and we're coming at a full turn and at first when you start to move away from religion people get crazy wild about stuff because they've never been free before help me Holy Ghost and they don't know what to do with freedom they want somebody to tell them when to get up how many bricks to make how long to work? How much money to give? Because if you do that, you don't have to learn how to be led by the Spirit. But it's not they that are led by rules or sons. It's they that are led by the Spirit. They're the sons of God. So in the new covenant, God doesn't just give you demand without any supply. He gives you the supply of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit works in you, come on, to produce a life in you that becomes a light that everybody says, I want a life that looks like this. Hallelujah. I started to get my life. No wonder. We used to sing songs like a few more weary days and then. One more valley, one more hill. It'll all be over after a while. And by the time the choir gets through song three, if you wasn't depressed, you are now. Homesick for heaven because you ain't having no fun here. But I promise you, I'm going to stand before God one day and he's going to high-five me and say, I had a hoot living in your body. What a life that was. Hallelujah. Sweeter gets the journey. He didn't just say, listen, in this same chapter I read from you a few verses down, he said, I want to give you as the days of heaven on earth. Hallelujah. I have a wife that's about five foot one, about 110 pounds, blonde hair, green eye, drop dead gorgeous. And I said to her when I met, I said, when I met you, you were drop dead gorgeous. Whatever it costs to keep looking like that, you don't even have to ask me. Here's the MasterCard. Don't leave home without it. Now, she told me recently it's costing me a lot more for her to look like that. But the reality of it is, hallelujah, I'm enjoying 
Her beauty, come on. Somebody help me. Listen, religion has robbed our marriages. It's robbed our self-esteem. It's robbed our value. Come on, it's robbed our money. I'm telling you, religion can be a thief, but a relationship with Jesus, you will recover your life. You'll get your life back, a life that's so incredible that the life becomes the light. Because what people are looking for is not just prosperity or a bigger house because there's a lot of people that are miserable that are inside of those who've got all kinds of money. And the reality of it is is that the, what they're really looking for is a life that's full of peace and rest and joy and equality. And I'm telling you, I think, hallelujah, that this is the thing that God is doing in this day. And I think there's a multitude of people that are starting to rise up and shout to the mountain, Grace, who are you, O great mountain, to stand before Zerubbabel? But they will, they will remove that mountain by preaching grace. Grace. Now let me say before you get too nervous, because this is what makes some folks nervous, is they think when you're preaching grace... You mean greasy stuff. I'm not saying, listen, grace is not the cause of sin. It is the antidote for it. Where sin abounds, grace will super. Greek word hooper, hyper abound. If you've got hyper sin, you need hyper grace. Because the grace of God, Titus says, has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness. Grace is a teacher. Grace will teach you to deny ungodliness. Because I'm not suggesting you trade one set of bondage of religion for the bondage of substance abuse or any other such thing. I'm talking about who the Son makes free is free indeed. Hallelujah. And I promise you that once we begin to shout to this mountain, grace, grace, what's going to happen is we're going to, we're going, our kids are going to come back. I wonder how many casualties there is to a message that's always constantly pushed people away to the point where they, they, listen, they'll say to me, listen, I'm going to come to your church when I get my act together. And I tell them, if you get your act together, it's just an act. God's not interested in actors. He's looking for authentic, genuine, help me, Holy Spirit, hallelujah, real folks. Somebody said, well, I just need to get back on the straight and narrow. And see, even in the context of that, we read that with a preconceived idea of what we think that means. Because we think the straight and narrow means I just got to get on this performance-based treadmill and just stay. Listen, the straight and narrow that Jesus brings. And we read into the text stuff that's not there. Jesus said straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life, not heaven. Heaven's included in the package, not take anything from that. That it leads to life. He's talking to a first century audience, and few there be that were finding it. Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life. And then he opens the next chapter by saying, I'm the gate, I'm the door. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't hear him. Hallelujah. 
But I am the way. You thought that was the way. What? You thought the way of rule keeping and old covenant performance was the way. That's not the way. It leads you to destruction. This it is the way that you that seemed right to a man that the end thereof were the ways of death. But the way that leads to life is when you find Jesus enter through that door. Because come on, somebody. He said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he will find life. Come on, somebody. That I am the way, the truth, and and I came that you might have not a ticket to heaven or a get out of hell free card. I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I want to give you the days of heaven on earth. I want to give you your life back. Well, we've got to stop right there. It was an absolute pleasure to have Dr. Lynn Hiles with us here at Expression Church. If you'd like more information about Expression Church and Pastor Kevin West, go to our two websites, kevinwest.org or expchurch.org. There you'll find downloadable sermons. You can make sure that you are up to date on everything that's going on within the ministry. Then also pick up Pastor Kevin's newest book, Angel in Isle 3. Then also you can download the app to your phone or any mobile device, and you can download the sermons, watch live. Anytime that we're having service, we stream directly to there. Wherever you are in this world, be blessed and be the expression of Christ.